Okay, well, thank you uh, to everyone who's joining us for this conversation today with Dr. John Kingisong, uh, who is director of the Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, so today we are talking about all the efforts underway to ensure access to COVID-19 vaccines uh, to populations across the African continent. Um, as well as the challenges that Leah had includes ensuring equity and dealing with the new variant of the virus. Um, as we move forward with the discussion, please put any questions you have to Dr. Kengasong in the Q&A uh, function of this Zoom call. Um, but first, I'd like to welcome uh, Racy Mushilua, uh, who is the head of Sub-Saharan Africa at Novartis, um, who is going to provide some opening remarks for our discussion. I would like to welcome everyone to today's event. Following the onset of COVID-19 pandemic and its spread worldwide, there has been a shortage of diagnostics, medical supplies, and essential medical equipment, such as the personal protective equipment for healthcare workers, face masks, ventilators, and many others. Many African governments have had severe challenges for procurement of essential supplies to support their response activities, and they face stiff competition with the more industrialized countries for the limited resources available. As an organization, Novartis Sub-Saharan Africa is excited to be part of the solution in supporting public-private partnerships to help alleviate supply and logistical constraints. And one way we are doing this is our collaboration with the Africa Union Initiative, that is the Africa Medical Supplies Platform where we are supplying a basket of medicines for management of COVID-19 symptoms. I look forward to hearing the latest updates from Dr. Nkengasol on how the continent is tackling the crisis. During the pandemic, we also witnessed a rapid uptake of technology-driven healthcare solutions. For example, artificial intelligence has been used to model the spread of disease, improve early detection, improve the triage of patients, and accelerate the development of novel therapeutics all around the world, including Africa. This is why I've been happy to see Novartis Foundation launch the Health Tech Dialogue Hub with DevEx. The hub hosts events such as tonight's discussion and other articles and publications that, in, that together aim to help transition emerging health techs innovation into impactful, far-reaching solutions that improve the health of populations around the world. Vaccine equity is a big concern across the world most of the developing markets. And I look forward to hearing Dr. Nkengasong as we examine what's next as Africa moves towards and forward with the largest vaccination campaign in its history. Once again, I welcome all of you to the event. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Tracy, and uh, thank you uh, to Novartis for helping to make today's event possible. Uh, so the Africa CDC is a relatively new agency uh, established in uh, 2017, and it was very much thrown into the deep end at the onset of the pandemic, uh, where it had to manage a series of very difficult challenges, including working to get essential supplies to the continent amidst price hikes and uh, the breakdown of supply chains. Dr. John Nkengasong uh, has stood out as a public globally uh, for the ways in which he has managed the response in Africa, uh, receiving numerous awards and other acknowledgements. 
Uh, Dr. Nkenga-Song, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this conversation. Um, first, can you give us a bit of update? Um, so the COVAX facility started to close the continent in late February. Um, how many countries are rolling out uh, vaccines at the moment? And um, do you have a figure on how many doses have been provided? <clears throat> yes, th thank you, Sarah, for the um, uh, uh, kind introduction and for inviting me to be part of this um, conversation. And I, I don't know if you hear me. Can you hear me well? I can hear you well. Okay, great. And uh, I think, first of all, let me repeat what I've said over and over, that uh, the COVAX facility uh, represents to me uh, a great symbol of cooperation, global cooperation, and also a symbol of uh, global solidarity that we have been talking about and should be uh, actually promoted and encouraged. And so we are very, uh, as a continent, very uh, pleased to see that the first wave of vaccines, uh, mainly from the AstraZeneca uh, 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 supplies, are beginning to arrive the continent. As we speak, uh, as of last week, about 19 countries have received uh, vaccines from the COVID facility. And we hope that um, that process will continue to cover the entire uh, continent, which is a continent of 1.2 billion people with uh, 55 member states. Uh, we also know that the COVID facility is designed to uh, achieve a 20% uh, coverage for the continent, a continent of, uh, as I said, 1.2 billion. And we as a continent have established a threshold of at least 60% uh, of our population to be immunized so that we can achieve uh, that um, level of uh, uh, immunization in the community that would enable for herd immunity. So that leaves us with a gap right there. So the gap there we're looking forward to cover is at least uh, 40%. And if, of course, COVID increase the, their supplies on the continent, we will, uh, uh, that uh, gap decreases uh, as well. So uh, because of that, the, the African leadership has also established the African vaccine acquisition task team so that we can continue to work towards achieving our goal of at least 60%. So that is where we are today. And now countries that receive the vaccines, uh, some are beginning to roll that out very speedily. Uh, countries like Rwanda uh, uh, are making very good progress with almost using all their vaccines. Some are beginning, but I think uh, it's work in progress and very early days. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, what are what do you foresee as kind of the coming challenges in the months ahead? Uh, what worries you most about um, about this rollout and kind of having challenges already in countries that are concerning to you? Sarah, they are, uh, we, we use a common, a simple equation at Africa CDC, which says vaccines plus vaccinations equals life saves. And uh, so that is a simple equation that speaks to the two elements that must be looked at. First of all is the vaccine access. Our doses need is about 1.5 billion doses of vaccines to achieve the threshold that I indicated. And we have to do that in at least two years. 
to achieve a, an appropriate level of protection that will be critical enough for us to win the, the war against uh, uh, COVID-19. So the number one challenge there is how do we get those doses of vaccines in a speedy manner and at scale so that we can at least by the end of 2021 uh, immunize at least I would say up to about 30% of our population if we have to have a, a chance of being ahead of the curve. So that is one. If you now get the vaccines, then you shift to the second part of the equation, which is the vaccination rollout. As you said in your introduction, uh, we will be embarking or have already start, started a journey that is unprecedented in the history of maybe Africa or in the history of modern history since independence. I don't recall that we have ever been able to vaccinate about 200 million people on the continent of, of uh, 1.2 billion people. So that exercise will be uh, an unprecedented a historic effort and which will require all kinds of partnerships. So what do we need? We need to have uh, the ability to uh, bring uh, transport vaccines uh, through cold chains. We, have to, we need to have the ability to uh, train and, and deploy vaccinators. We need to have the ability to be able to have a good record and database that uh, can actually track those who have been vaccinated. Remember most of the vaccines, uh, with the exception of Johnson & Johnson as uh, uh, two doses, we need to be able to have a record that tracks people to come back and get their second dose. And of course, we need to work with the, the, the community more so that the community creates that demand and also creates uh, that trust and, and a, a level of ownership of these efforts because the battle will be uh, fought and won at the community level. So those are two sets of things that we worry about every day, i.e. to summarize acquiring enough vaccines and then deploying the vaccines at scale, I must add. Okay, thank you so much. Um, now if we could talk about AstraZeneca. So uh, there, there's a lot of news around AstraZeneca. Uh, first of all, concerns about the effectiveness of the vaccine against the strain of COVID-19 originally found in South Africa. And you've said before that government should not rule out the vaccine if that variant is dominant in a country, um, very um, uh, specifically dominant. And there are also concerns about whether the vaccine is the blood clots. Um, but this is the vaccine most countries are receiving through the COVAX facility. So how should uh, that? What should they do with the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine? That's a very good question, uh, Sarah, and a very topical question because all of this week, uh, you've heard a lot in uh, the media about many countries in Europe suspending um, that the use of that vaccine. Uh, let me just put that in context for Africa, that there are about 78 countries in the world that are using uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. So it's not uh, just restricted to Africa. And uh, a, a handful of countries in Europe have decided to pause the use of the, the, the vaccine while uh, ongoing uh, surveillance or investigations are, are going on. So uh, we have uh, two sets of recommendations. One is with respect to the variant. We saw from the data generated in South Africa that uh, the variant, uh, especially the variant that was uh, identified in South Africa, had a, a knockoff effect on the, on the vaccine and in terms of neutralizing antibodies. So uh, our recommendation at that time was, and it's still the same recommendation, that if that variant is predominant in a country, 
you 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 will be wasting vaccines, and we don't have enough vaccines to to be wasted. So, but we have to distinguish that conversation from the safety component, which is to say that upfront I should have started with that that the vaccine is entirely safe. I think that is one. So, what do we mean by a variant B dominant? You do not just sequence, collect a few specimens from people, and then. Uh, say 100 people and you found out that that one individual uh, has that variant and you say we are not using it in that country. It has to be a, a, a monitoring activity what surveillance activities that are done almost every month so that you see the shifting patterns of, of the variants in the country as you deploy your vaccines. I think that that is what so our recommendation still stands that besides South Africa and those countries that have seen a shift in the uh, in in terms of the frequency of the variant, you we need to continue to roll out uh, the, the use of the AstraZeneca vaccines in countries that do not see that predominant uh, case. A, a good example would be Zimbabwe, where they have had um, a shift in that variant very quickly over the, the last couple of uh, uh, months. So that is one. With respect to the what we are observing this week, we. Uh, have and last week, so to say, we our recommendation is clear. I think we align with the WHO uh, recommendation and also the European Medical Agency's recommendation that the, the the benefits of this vaccine associated with the use of this vaccine outweighs the risk of the vaccine. Period. And we say this because of the, all the evidence that have been generated in in Europe through the European Medicine Agency and of course with the WHO. We as a continent had a meeting on Tuesday, a meeting of all experts across the continent. There were about 260 people that attended that meeting through our routine, uh, um, what we call the African Task Force for COVID-19 to review the situation. And in, uh, that we were also joined at that meeting with the European Medical uh, um, Association uh, to look at the agency, I beg your pardon, to look at and, and review and discuss the data. We came out with the same conclusion that uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine should continue to be rolled out. The benefits outweigh the, the risk. And that if you look at the approximately 17 million people that have received the, the vaccine and about 30 have, uh, have signals that maybe and just maybe associated with the, the vaccine, it, it, it requires that we use the vaccine. I'll say this and conclude on that point that um, COVID has killed over 2.6 billion, 2.6 million people in the world. And in Africa, it has killed about 108,000 people. And we don't know of any uh, deaths that have occurred because of vaccination. So we are putting in place a surveillance system to continue to monitor uh, the, the post-vaccination events. Uh, WHO is doing that as well. And just uh, on Tuesday, they told us that they have looked at about 800 people that have received the vaccine in Africa. Of that, they pull a subset of about 1,110, look at them carefully, and nobody had manifested any uh, uh, um, any of those uh, uh, signals. So that is where I will leave, I will leave that topic. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm going to take a question from the audience. So um, the question is, while many African countries have done an excellent job at implementing public health measures to slow the spread of COVID, 
appreciate hearing how the Africa CDC is approaching the COVID pandemic in Tanz Tanzania, given the lack of co cooperation there. So uh, I can answer that briefly that um, if a country doesn't collaborate and cooperate with us, uh, we continue to uh, use different channels to offer a technical assistance to the country. And we have made it very clear that very early on last year in February that we needed a coordinated approach. We needed a collaborative approach. We needed a communicative approach. And we also, we needed to be sure that we uh, 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 coordinate our efforts as much as possible. <clears throat> Tanzania is a member of the African Union. And the number one principle of the African Union is the unity and, and uh, the spirit of uh, coordination and cooperation. So we still remain hopeful that um, Tanzania will come around and work with us, uh, work with the World Health Organization and other partners so that they can receive the appropriate uh, support that is required to um, uh, at least get them fight this pandemic. Okay, got it, thank you. Um, and could you talk a little bit more about kind of what pharmaceutical companies can do to make sure that across the African continent have equitable access to the vaccines? So uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, if I heard you correctly, uh, uh, we, if you, let me just go back for one second into the, uh, my uh, formula of uh, vaccines plus vaccinations equals life saves. There's a unique opportunity there for pharmaceutical companies to uh, join forces and uh, contribute in the, the, the entire efforts on both sides of the equation. It could be on uh, the side of uh, acquiring, supporting countries to acquire vaccines or it could be in the area of delivery, vaccine delivery. I think at any rate, uh, countries will benefit a lot from uh, any efforts from the private sector with, with the distribution of, of vaccines, which as I said, it is going to be a historic effort, unprecedented in nature, uh, to be able to achieve our targets in a record time. Um, so you, you, testif uh, you testified in front of the US Congress uh, yesterday. Um, and one of the things that you said was that um, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, would have a tremendous impact on HIV AIDS efforts. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I, I said that uh, very um, deliberately. And today uh, at around noon uh, time, I was uh, 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 privileged to meet face-to-face uh, -face with the executive director of UNAIDS uh, in my office, and we, uh, the centrality of our discussion was still around that, was around the, uh, the negative impact of, of COVID on HIV AIDS program uh, and other endemic diseases that uh, we are challenged with on daily basis, including uh, tuberculosis and malaria. Uh, in our discussion, it emerged that um, if it, the, 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 we did not control this pandemic early enough, AIDS our AIDS programs are going to suffer significantly, and including uh, an increase in the number of deaths, I mean, what we call excess deaths. We know that each year in Africa, uh, HIV AIDS kills about uh, 500,000 people on the continent. It is very possible that that number, uh, in terms of excess deaths, may be up to about 200,000. 
so I think is definitely going to have a significant effect on uh, the HIV AIDS program, which we're making a lot of uh, inroads into that significant uh, uh, progress in that area. Now, why is that happening? People are reluctant to go to clinics. People are reluctant to go to hospitals. Supplies are challenged because the supply chain management, the global supply chain management is very integrated. So if you, uh, I mean, so they are not distinct commodities only for COVID and um, for, my, for HIV, the commodities are all integrated so that it begins to challenge the, the whole uh, process. So that is why, uh, again, uh, it brings us back to the question of the need to vaccinate quickly. So this is not just routine vaccination where we take 10 years to, to get vaccination, but if we really want to win the battle against uh, COVID-19 and protect the HIV programs, protect the TB programs and protect the malaria programs and the immunization programs, we need to roll our vaccines uh, in a very speedy manner. Okay. Uh, pre in one of your previous responses, you talked about mutations and the importance of that for um, rolling out uh, vaccines. Um, so the there are many countries on the continent that don't have the capacity to genome sequence, which is the technique uh, used to track virus mutations. And Africa CDC and WHO have regional networks that help countries to track this. But still, there are a, a, about 40% of countries who haven't um, submitted data yet on um, on the mutations. How worried are you about kind of uh, the effectiveness of the regional networks and the ability of countries to track mutation? No, that's an excellent question. The, um, unfortunately, we uh, had anticipated that uh, genomic sequencing would continue to play a central role in the ability to fight uh, 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 disease outbreaks. And this was in 2018, where we launched the African CDC Pathogen Genomic Institute uh, with, in partnership with the Gates Foundation. Uh, I remember at that time we were speculating that there might be one day an out, outbreaks or pandemics that would require that. Fast forward one year later, exactly one year later, uh, the pandemic uh, showed up. So we're fortunate now that we already had a, a structure in place or through the, the Pathogen Genomic Institute of the Africa CDC. So what we have done is to uh, work out an arrangement or, or organize ourselves into three levels on the continent. Level one are what we call the specialized labs, okay, the apex. And where uh, there are about three labs there, uh, Christian Happy's lab in Nigeria, uh, there are two labs in South Africa. Uh, uh, one of them uh, run by uh, Professor Tulio. Then underneath that are what you call the regional labs. Okay, the regional labs are those that will serve a subset of countries in each region of Africa. And then underneath the, the third layer and the last layer is the countries, individual countries that may have the capacity but do not have enough capacity to support other countries, but they can be supported by the regional labs and in case uh, the need arise, they move it to the specialized lab. So that's how the continent is organized to respond to this issue of uh, the challenge of sequencing. As we speak about uh, through the network, we've been able to uh, uh, supply about 8,000 genomes uh, into the, the database. And our goal is to be able to sequence uh, 50,000 genomes from now to uh, uh, in the next 10 months. 
okay, so that we continue to have a full understanding of what is going on on the continent, especially given that uh, we know the impact of genomes uh, on, um, on, on, on the deployment of vaccines. So it's work in progress. Uh, let me just say this, Sarah, that uh, this is part of strengthening health systems. And you do not strengthen health systems when you need them. You strengthen health systems before you need them. So we find ourselves where we are building a ship and riding the ship at the same time, which is not very easy. Okay, thank you. Um, so we got a question from the audience, uh, the barriers to local production of uh, vaccines. I know there, there's been a lot of conversation over the past year about kind of the need for the continent to produce its own vaccines, but um, there are a lot of issues like funding and the questions around the long-term um, demand for, for the vaccines in the future and kind of the sustainability about that. Um, how, how optimistic are you that there will be broad-based manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccines across the continent? Um, and do you see it as a full production or kind of the end of the process packaging uh, production? So there is um, there's a lot in that question. I think we have to approach that from uh, the perspective of how do we build back better? How do we build that boldly? And how do we build back bigger in Africa? So it's not just enough for us to come out of this crisis looking the same as we went into the crisis. How, how did we get into this crisis? We went into this crisis with uh, Africa a continent of 1.2 billion, importing 99% of its vaccines, 99% of its vaccines. And we know that vaccines are a huge herd uh, uh, security uh, uh, um, assets. We also know that vaccines are a huge asset for de uh, development. I think if you don't have healthy people, you don't have wealth. We also went into this crisis as a continent, not being able to develop diagnostics or produce diagnostics on the continent. That's why when we started these efforts last year, uh, we launched the partnership to accelerate COVID testing, core pack. And at that time, we were testing only about uh, 300,000 people on the continent. And today, we are close to 40 million uh, tests conducted, which is a remarkable progress. Now, back to the issue of vaccines. If we have to come out of this pandemic looking different and in the spirit of being bold, bigger and better, we have to do three things and do all of them simultaneously. One is to ensure that we reverse that narrative that we are importing 99% of our vaccines and begin to shift the needle back somehow by encouraging and incentivizing continental manufacturing of vaccines in three different areas. One is have the ability to do the finish and refill. Second is have the ability to repurpose some of our uh, current vaccine producing uh, uh, companies and, and sites like the Pasteur Institute in, uh, in Senegal and others in South Africa to begin to uh, produce uh, uh, vaccines, uh, COVID related vaccines and thirdly invest in a long-term strategy which would actually means that we invest in uh, using domestic financing and other funding to guarantee that there's enough research and development on the continent that will lead to the production of vaccines. I mean, Africa do, uh, of course, as you're aware, produce a lot of animal vaccines. And um, if we can do that as a continent, 
then something tells me that it's a question of a, a, a goodwill, political will, and political commitment to raise the appropriate resources and focus in that area to be able to uh, manufacture vaccines on the continent. You also required appropriate partnerships, partnerships with the bilateral bodies like uh, our Friends of Africa, partnerships with foundations, and partnership, of course, with um, uh, the, 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 the industry that to transfer the technology. I think that's what we mean by building back uh, bolder, bigger, and better. Thank you. Um, so we just have a few minutes left. Um, so this will probably be our last question, but um, one from the audience is countries all over the world have been dealing with vaccine hesitancy. What strategies has the Africa CDC employed to combat hesitancy and build vaccine confidence throughout the continent? So that's a very good question. We had uh, an opportunity very early on to, uh, uh, to give a lot of thoughts on the, the vaccine uh, hesitancy uh, uh, concept, and which is real. I mean, it didn't start today. I mean, that whole concept of uh, uh, the ability of the community to uh, not uh, naturally move towards vaccine uh, 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 vaccines has been there for, 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 for a while. So uh, we did a study and across the continent, across about 15 countries to understand what uh, the, the, uh, the lay of the land was. And we were encouraged to see that about 60 to 90% of, of the countries that we surveyed, 15 countries were able to, were indicated that they would take a vaccine if the vaccine, the COVID vaccine in this case was safe and efficacious. Is the situation still the same today? I don't know. We will continue to assume that it's a dynamic process uh, that uh, the vaccination will start. And when people see that large number of people are being immunized and they do not come down with the side effects and they are not harmed by the vaccines, my assumption is that many more people will go to the vaccination centers to acquire vaccines. It is the only way that will bring this pandemic to an end. I want to be very clear with that. Uh, the ASEAN continent, we have done very well in, in, in bringing down the, 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 the beating down the, the, the spread of the virus in the first wave, which was, and the peak was last year around July, August. We bent the curve nicely. The second wave came up around uh, December, January. We bent the curve nicely, and now we are beginning to see that some countries are moving towards the third wave. This, um, not much you can do with uh, in this in terms of eliminating the pandemic by just using public health measures you have to have vaccines okay i'm in encouraging the continent to continue to adhere to the public health measures including the constant use of masks uh, social distancing avoiding uh, large gatherings and other uh, uh, um, events that will facilitate the transmission of the virus we have to remember that the virus is transmitted via human uh, movement and behavior. That is one. We also now need to know that um, uh, without vaccines, we cannot continue to go in waves and, and succeed in eliminating the vaccines from, from the continent. So I think that is what we have to do as a continent is to come together in the spirit of the whole of Africa approach and get the vaccines, get our people vaccinated and all of us on this platform and outside of the platform must play a central role in increasing the vaccine confidence. Uh, we all know that vaccines are safe. Vaccines have been safe over the years. 
all of us or most of us have used vaccines as a means of to survive uh, without uh, several immunizations for measles, from yellow fever and other diseases. I'm sure I personally would not be alive. I'll be happy to get my first shot of COVID vaccine once it's available. Okay, well, thank you. Um, we've unfortunately run out of time, but thank you so much to uh, Dr. Uh, Nikenga Song for joining us uh, to discuss this very important issue. Um, and thank you to everyone who tuned in. Um, and if you haven't already, please uh, consider signing up for our new weekly global health focused newsletter called Checkup. Um, so we share the link to subscribe to that in our um, chat function. So please do join us. Uh, for that newsletter. Um, so it's on everyone's radar. Uh, our next event is on March 31st, where together with Novartis Foundation, we will be looking at the role of technology um, to ensure uh, cardiovascular health in the COVID-19 era. Um, so again, thank you to all who joined us and um, have a good evening or rest of the day, uh, wherever you're located. Thank you.